Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Beautiful. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin this morning. Father, we thank you for your glory and your beauty. Father, we thank you for the gift of song, for the ability to praise your name and to worship you, Father. Pray that um, well, the things we've already said and thought have been honoring to you. And now I pray as we open the truth of your word, Father, just speak clearly to us. Give us understanding and direction. Father, do great things in our midst. And I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit as we pray every Sunday morning, Father. We could be transformed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. As you turn in your Bibles this morning, we are continuing our study through the letter of James in the series we've entitled Faith in Action because I've said this every single week and I'm going to continue to say it again as we reach kind of uh, this Sunday morning really the midpoint of this book James uh, encourages us to put our faith into action Christianity is not passive it's not enough just to kind of sit and soak. James calls us to, to action. He's, he's extremely practical in his book, and his letter. And so he's given us already all these things that we should kind of compare our lives to. And he, he used the example a few weeks ago of the, of the mirror. We should examine the truth of Scripture. And we kind of have to look in the mirror at ourselves and ask, are we living our lives based on the truth of God's Word? Is our faith demonstrating itself in our actions? Is our faith real? Uh, Is there enough in our lives really to prove that we are who we say we are? And so James has given us challenge after challenge after challenge to live our lives in a way that's honoring to the Lord. And this morning, I believe... And all these, I think, have been very practical to all of us. But I believe this morning, up to this point, may be the one that deals with the most people. Because I I bet, if we were honest, every person in this room, probably on a regular basis, struggles with this issue. Because James this morning is going to challenge us with the things that we say. What words are we using How are we speaking to other people? Are we speaking truth and life and hope and salvation and Christ? Or are we speaking death and evil and anger and bitterness? James says you really ought to examine your heart. You really ought to examine your faith. You really ought to look at the things you're saying compared to what the Word of God says and ask yourself the question, am I living up to the standards of God's Word? Am I living my life for Christ? Am I putting my faith into action? I wrote something down in my notes that I want to read you this morning. I think it's true. I bet almost every problem you have ever had with another person begins because of something either you said or the other person said. 
I bet every problem you've ever had with another person begins either with something you said or the other person said. I understand actions are involved, but the words we use are incredibly important. Oftentimes it's the word or the words we use that kind of gets that process going. And so James is going to challenge this morning with the idea, challenge us this morning with the idea of the taming of our tongues. What are we saying? How are we saying it? What are the words we're using? And so we're going to begin this morning in James chapter chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 12 verses of that chapter. We're going to break it into some bite-sized chunks and see what we can learn together this morning. So James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. And he does this again. I love every time he's going to kind of hammer us and he's going to kind of, kind of remind us we need to do better. He's going to call us his brothers, right? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Wow. I hope some of you just got that. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And we're going to stop kind of the first half of that verse because the second half is going to give us a different idea. And we're going to give you some truth and then we're going to think through it together for just a few minutes. Number one, here's what James wants us to see very clearly in these first five verses. It's a, it's a warning. It, it should make us kind of contemplate and really think through what we say. Number one, we see the power of the tongue. Your words have meaning. (laughs) Your words have power. I bet every person in this room right now can remember something good that's been said to them at some point in their life. They can remember probably something bad that's been said to them at some point in their life. And they are reminded very clearly through the words of James here that our tongues have power in the things that we say. Now James begins his warning, and there are so many warnings throughout his letter here, but he begins this warning very clearly this morning with those that teach, right? Be careful those who teach, right? You shouldn't become teachers because you know those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So some of y'all are thinking, you know, I didn't know that when I signed up to teach. Nobody, Nobody quite explained that to me like that. So I'll just encourage you as we think through this together this morning, I think there are kind of two categories of teachers I want you to see very clearly. The first one that James is speaking to primarily in his word are people that teach within the church. That's a lot of you right now. In fact, I'd be curious, um, if if you teach preschool, children, students, adults, Wednesday night discipleship, if you teach in some manner at this church, raise your hand. So I'm talking to y'all right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm talking to everybody. But James wants you particularly to understand this is important. Now, before you think everybody else, you're off the hook, if you are in the school system now, if you teach on some level in a school somewhere, uh, public school, private school, home school, if you teach, raise your hand. All right, now keep those up. Now, if you teach at the church, you can raise your hand a minute ago, keep, raise those up again. Well, I praise the Lord. Thank you, by the way, for being involved in the lives of our people and our, and our kids. Yeah, amen. 
Now, before all of you, everybody else thinks that you're off the hook, you're not. Because James is talking to all of us. But he begins with the teacher very simply because he understands teachers have great influence. They impact lives. And they do it oftentimes with the words they say, don't they? I mean, if you're a teacher, it'd be very difficult for you to teach without using words. Now, I get that your, your life and the way you live is very important. And students especially watch how you act and how you respond. But the words you say are important. James says you need to be careful when you teach because you have the opportunity to mold and shape lives. Very big deal. I bet every person in here could think back in their mind and you could name a teacher of yours, whether it was a Sunday school teacher, Wednesday night, first grade, third grade, middle school, high school. We've all got some teachers that we could point to and say, you know, that person really influenced me, maybe for good or maybe for bad, frankly, but that person had a really big impact on my life. James understands and we understand that teachers have influence. And so I'd like to just for a second just, just speak to the teachers and just kind of just help you understand what James is getting at here. And he's going to kind of talk to the rest of us here in just a second. Teachers, you have an incredible opportunity to impact the lives of students. With that opportunity comes great responsibility. Now, I get in, in the world we live in, in your jobs and, and certain legalities and regulations and, and things you can or cannot say. And I'm not going to get into the ins and outs. And, but here's what I would say to you. Just be bold in your faith as much as possible. And a lot of these kids don't see Christian examples. They don't have Christian opportunities. They don't come from households where mom and dad care anything about Christ. You, teacher, may be the only influence in their lives. And even if all you ever do is live like a Christian and speak kindness and goodness and pray for that kid, then at least do that. Because we're never going to know the impact we have on the lives of these kids, on these students, until we get to eternity, really. We're not going to understand that fruit. But God will work through you. God will use you if you let him. Now, students, I want you to listen to me for a second because this is really, really important. I want you to hear this. If you're under the age of 18, raise your hand. A lot, a lot, a lot of kids. Fantastic. So I want you to look. If you had your hand up for a second, I want you to listen real closely to what I'm about to say, okay? We are very blessed in our area with a lot of godly teachers. In, in fact, I, I just love that so many of our schools, we got a lot of teachers. I, I bet, I hadn't really looked at it before, but I bet every school in our county we have somebody representing our church. That's just a guess, but I bet we do teachers, administrators, and you guys are on the front line of what's going on on a regular basis. Students, you're blessed. we got a lot of godly teachers in our school system. Praise the Lord for that. But not every teacher is Christ-like. Not every teacher is godly. And so students, I want you to hear me just for just a second, okay? There is going to come a time in your life, maybe it's happening now, maybe it's going to be in the future, maybe it's when you go off to college, you're going to come in contact with a teacher that doesn't love the Lord, doesn't trust the things of Christ, doesn't believe the Bible is accurate. I want you to hear me when I say this. Don't let your faith be challenged by that person, okay? Be strong and firm in what you believe. Okay, and I'll put this out to you. I'll make, I'll make myself available to you. If you ever have a question or concern or challenge by something one of your teachers says, you can call me, you can text me, you can come by to see me. I promise, 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 there are answers to those questions. There are answers to those questions, and I'll help you find them. Don't ever walk away from a, from a, 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 a 
comment or some teacher said or in some kind of an instance where your, your faith is challenged and you're just unsure and it leads you to walk away from the faith. Allow those moments to strengthen your faith. Allow people that love you and care about you to, to be involved in your life. Don't let a false teacher cripple your faith. See, James understands the power of the teacher. James understands the power of the language. James understands the power of the word. And he says, listen, if you teach, be careful because your words have influence. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 2 because he's going to begin to lead in now to everybody else, right? Verse 2, for we all stumble, right? It's not just about teachers, right? He's talking about you. You have great influence. But we all make mistakes. We all stumble in what we say. And James says, listen, we need to be careful because the way in which we stumble usually involves our words. So teachers, you're going to be held accountable for your actions and the things you say. You're going to be judged more strictly according to James. Everybody else, you're falling into that category. If you still, even if you're not a teacher, need to be careful how you speak and how you interact with other people because our tongues have power. And so James kind of helps us understand the power of our tongues. Look at verse 3, if you would. He gives us a couple of very simple analogies. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies, right? If you've ever ridden a horse, a bit is just really a small little piece of metal that goes in the back of the mouth. That's it. If you were to take that little bit and that bridle and compare it to the size and the weight of the horse, it's tiny. But that bridle, that bit controls the entire motion of that horse, He says it's kind of like a ship and the rudder of a ship. Even though it's really small, it controls that entire ship. I had the opportunity this summer, I was in San Diego for for a few days, and had the opportunity to go on the USS Midway. The USS Midway is an aircraft carrier. Uh, It's been in service for a number of years, decommissioned in the late 90s. Now it's just a museum. It's kind of a floating museum in San Diego. And if you've ever had the opportunity to see an aircraft carrier in person or walk on an aircraft carrier, the vastness of that ship is kind of hard to comprehend. I mean, I think something like four or 5,000 people live and work on this boat when it's out to sea. And you start looking at the dimensions and the size, and I looked this up because I thought it was interesting as I started kind of considering the size of these boats. The modern aircraft carrier is about 1,100 feet long. Now, just to put that in perspective, if you were to stand at our sign, and when you leave today, kids, y'all look at this and remind your parents, when you drive by that sign, if you were to start at our, our sign by the road and walk all the way through the field, all the way over to Mr. Thompson's front door, that's about 1,100 feet. These aircraft carriers are about 200 feet wide on the flight deck, 250 feet wide. That would be from about the road down to our flagpole. So from the road to our flagpole, all the way across that field, if you put an aircraft carrier down in our field, it it would dominate the size of that field. They're massive, 100,000 tons, 20 stories out of the water, massive ships. And yet they're controlled, and you can look this up, I thought it was fascinating, by two rudders that are about 29 feet long each. Now our sign is about 22 feet. So two of our signs would control that ship that would take up the vast majority of our field. James says it's kind of like that with our tongues. Even though they're tiny and they're small, be careful because they control you. It controls who you are and what you say and how you live and especially the way other people perceive you. And so you start asking yourselves questions about the tongue and about the way we live. And we ask questions like this, how does my speech affect others? How how is my speech affecting life at home? 
How is my speech affecting life in school and, and with my friends and, and with my spouse? Does my speech lead to good, positive things or, or does it bring destruction? James says we need to be warned because there's great power in the tongue. As small as it is, it will control us. Now look at verse 5, the second half. He's going to give us some examples of what the tongue can do and the dangers. James chapter 3, verse 5, part B, the second part of verse 5. How great a forest, he says, is set ablaze by such a small fire. Right? Forest fires don't start with massive flame. They start with just a little bitty spark. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by Hell, look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, so there's great power in the tongue, first of all. But here's truth number two. There's also great danger with the tongue. We have to be careful because that power that we have can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Now James says we need to be aware because sometimes, oftentimes, if we're not very careful, it's used for evil. I want you to listen to a few of the words that James uses to describe the tongue. Pull up verse 6 again if you would please. James talks about the, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Pull up verse 8. Speaking of the tongue, it's a relentless evil full of deadly poison. So, so just to kind of summarize those three verses, here are the words that James uses. Fire, unrighteousness, hell, evil, deadly poison. These are strong words. And they, they really should cause us to kind of take a step back and, and begin to kind of ask ourselves the question, you know, am I using my tongue for evil? Would other people consider the words I say as deadly poison? Would other people hear my words and think they were unrighteous? James says there's great power with the tongue, but there's also great danger one commentator said it like this, one careless statement can ruin careers and destroy lives. You kind of spend your whole life building this reputation and just a few words can destroy it. It doesn't take long to understand that this sort of thought process and these ideas are found all through Scripture. In fact, in fact there, are, there are countless verses that speak about the danger of the tongue warning us against our speech. I want to read a few of these. I don't have time to read all of them this morning, but I want you just to listen, kind of a small sampling of the warnings we find in Scripture about our speech. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. 
1 Timothy 5.13, speaking of ungodly people, says they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies and talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to say. I mean, the Bible is literally filled with warnings about the Scripture. And so I want to give you, and I don't mean this to be silly or funny, I literally want to kind of give you a checklist for the tongue. We have it on the screen. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but these are some things the Scripture talks about that you ought to ask yourself the question, am I doing these things? Lying. Now, let me just, I want to be very clear. There's really not a difference between a a, a bald-faced lie and a white lie. We do that sometimes, don't we? We kind of justify it. Well, it's just a little white lie. I mean, I just kind of, I just change the truth a little bit. Christ would say you're lying, right? Are you gossiping? When's the last time you talked about somebody behind their back without maybe speaking to them about it? Bragging, boasting. Are you slandering somebody? Do you verbally abuse someone? Are you cursing, using filthy language? Are you making off-color remarks? Are you, are you spreading rumors? Are you arguing? Are you yelling? Right? The, the, the list is pretty difficult to see because oftentimes we find ourselves doing some of these things, maybe all of them at some point in our lives. And James says, listen folks, we, we need to be careful. We need to be careful because the tongue is powerful and dangerous. John MacArthur says this. I think think he hits the nail on the head. He says, the misuse of the tongue is perhaps the easiest way to sin. Interesting. Very easy for us to make comments that are angry, that are slandering, that are gossiping, that are arguing. Very easy for us to find ourselves kind of falling into this trap. And so I want to, I want to kind of bring this a little bit closer to home just for a minute if I could. I want to talk about kind of life in the home because most of us, not all of us, but most of us has kind of figured out that when you're out in the world and in public, you, you need to guard what you say. You have to be careful. Now, sometimes we slip up, sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we get angry, I get that. But for far too many people, I believe that they go into the world with this mindset, if I'm not going to do these things, I'm going to kind of surround myself, uh, or at least uh, say the right things when I'm in public and, and make sure I make the right comments. But sometimes if we're not careful, when we get back into our homes at night, in the evenings, and we relax, sometimes these things come out, don't they? The harshness of a husband to his wife, or of the husband to the children, or, or kids, the way you speak to your brothers and sisters. Moms, the way you speak to dads. Right? I, th- I think if we just kind of think through this for a minute and start applying this to our lives and asking ourselves the honest question, am I doing these things in my home? Am I speaking this way to my wife? Am I speaking this way to my kids? Am I speaking this way to my husband? We begin to maybe at that point peel back the layers and with all honesty, maybe we're realizing we're doing this more than we think we're doing it. Maybe, maybe we're saying things we shouldn't say. Because it's very easy in the home sometimes to let down your guard. You know, if you have children, young children especially, I mean, uh, we talked already about the, the women's retreat. My wife has been on that retreat, have a, had a fantastic time. But that means I've been single dad since about middle of the afternoon on Friday. Love my kids. They're great kids. But if you're a parent, you know sometimes you just had enough, right? And ooh, you just got to feel it rising and... If I were transparent, there are times probably I'd do these things. And sometimes I have to back up and say, you know what, just Adam, just come on, man, just calm down. And sometimes I have to go to my children and say, listen, will you forgive me? 
I was harsh when I spoke to you, or I argued, or I yelled, or I whatever, fill in the blank. I don't need to speak to you that way. Dads, husbands, how many times are you speaking to your wife like that? How often do you come home in the afternoon, long day, you've been a bad situation at work, you're dealing with a client or an employee or your boss or whatever, and you come home and you just are kind of wound tight and your wife says something in complete honesty or she's being transparent or not trying to be rude on you, just yell at her. You kind of snap at her. Just imagine how that affects her and your relationship long term. You do that enough and you begin to kill within your wife that beauty and that hope she has in you. James says, be careful. Genuine faith should be demonstrated by the things that we say. You you should be able to mic me up year round and never hear unwholesome words come out of my mouth. That's the way it ought to look. James says, be careful because your words have meaning. Now look what he says in verse 9 as we continue to think through this. He's talking now about the tongue again and the standards and what the tongue does. So he kind of gives us two different ideas. Verse 9, with it, this is the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Just, just, man, you ought to underline that verse. You want to talk about hypocrisy. There it is in verse 9. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, right? He's like, my brothers. These things are... Ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So here's truth number three. We must use the tongue for the glory of the Lord, not for the criticism of others. If you want to have a very kind of simple measuring stick for the words that you say, ask yourself the question every time you say it, is what I'm about to say going to bring glory to the Lord? I got a feeling if you answered, asked and answered that question honestly, it would cause you from saying a lot of things you shouldn't say. And now James begins with something good in verse 9. He's, he's kind of got these contrasting ideas. And he's, he's speaking about the, the, the mouth and the tongue and the words we say. And he, say, he says in the beginning of verse 9, With it we bless God our Father. Excuse me, we bless our Lord and Father. Right. So in other words, we, we see that with our mouths we produce, we produce praises. And so kind of what we've done already this morning in the context of worship is hopefully with our mouths we've produced praises. We've worshipped the Lord. Maybe you've had a time of prayer with your family this morning. Whatever it looks like. You from your mouth have said godly things. But then James wants to kind of contrast that with this incredible hypocrisy, right? Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Isn't that interesting? See, if you understand Scripture, you understand that God created us in His image. You understand that we are at the top of creation. You understand that through us, God has displayed his glory and his honor and his beauty. But James says this, isn't it interesting? When you curse somebody else, you're cursing the very person who is created in the image of the God you've just praised. Wow, that's awfully challenging. 
That's awfully challenging because when we hear these words and we understand what James is teaching, he would say to us, and he's used this phrase before, if you're doing these things, you are double-minded. One writer defined double-minded like this. The double-minded man is inconsistent in his faith. What a great word. Trying to please both God and the world at the same time. Maybe a word that ought to kind of come up in our minds as we think about our speech is inconsistency. How is it that on Sunday mornings I can praise the Lord with my words and then the very next day I can say rude things to the people I work with? You ever been driving down the road and you're listening to J93, right? And you're just singing along, rocking along. You've got your CD in, right? Your favorite song. You're listening to your phone. You're just praising the Lord, singing praises. And out of the blue, somebody just pulls right out in front of you in the car. And then 10 seconds later, they put on their blinker and stop, turn right, right? And you're like... And all of a sudden, you go from praises to curses in about one second flat. Interesting how that works, isn't it? I've kind of found, you're going to laugh at me, but this is truth. I've kind of found myself doing this. You're going to laugh at me. This is true. This is kind of, because I'm not patient. That, that's one of the things that's just kind of a pet peeve for me when I drive and I try to control it. But I've started doing this when somebody pulls out in front of me and I just want to, you know, say things or do things or whatever I want to do. I just, I just kind of remind myself, you know, that person may be visiting Rosemont and I don't even know it. And what if, <laughs> what if they were visiting our church and they pull right out in front of me and they look in their mirror and I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. They go, is that Adam back there? <laughs> I'm never going back to Rosemont again, right? It's a funny little, I, I, that's what I do, but maybe you ought to do that in your life. Maybe when you're ready to kind of go off on somebody, you ought to think, you know, maybe, maybe this guy or this lady or the guy in the next cubicle or the person in the aisle over or somebody is going to see me if nobody else, the Lord is going to see me. And this may affect their faith. It may affect their walk. You ever been driving to church on Sunday morning with your family and your kids? And it's kind of, I want to use a word, war in your car. You know, you're having some disagreements and... Somebody left something at home and one kid's whining and you're angry and you, know, you kind of just bull over to the point of everybody's kind of yelling and everybody's mad and you drive them and you get out. Good morning, brother. How you doing? Praise the Lord. So glad to see you. Right? It's kind of this idea of praise and, and, and curses. How oftentimes do we, do we kind of come in here and say these things and worship the Lord and then go out tomorrow morning and treat people poorly or say things that the Lord wouldn't be pleased with? James says, what comes out of your mouth shows your heart. And man, we've got a big, big responsibility. People are watching you. They know you're at this church. They know you claim to be a Christian. They know that you are somebody different than them. And they need to see you act that way. You need to put your faith into action. And one of the ways you do it are the words that you say... The way in which you respond, are you speaking truth and life and the glory of the Lord or are you speaking death and anger and hate? James says you, you can't have salt water and fresh water from the same spring. And at some point, and here's maybe the greatest challenge, at some point we begin to ask ourselves the question, if I can't control this, what does it really say about my faith deep down? What does it really say about my walk? 
What does it really say about who I am in Christ? See, the tongue is powerful. The tongue can bring great danger. But we've got to be aware. We've got to be aware that we say things and use words that bring glory to the Lord, not pain to other. Because the way we speak, the words we use demonstrate our trust. They demonstrate our faith. And so I want to leave you with this very simple question you ought to answer when it comes to this idea. Are the words that you are using bringing glory to the Lord? Let's pray. Father, again, just a very challenging, compelling idea, Lord, about our faith and our actions. Lord, forgive us for the sin, Lord, of our speech. Forgive us, Father, we repent right now, just in our own hearts, Father. I pray we repent of our anger towards our spouse or our children or our employees, our bitterness. Father, I pray we would repent of the things we said uh, in anger or if we slandered or gossiped or or boasted or bragged or or whatever, Father. I pray we'd repent of those things and and just within our hearts, Lord, within our faith resolve to never do them again, Lord. To understand that our words do have meaning, that our tongues are powerful, that they can be used for destruction. But, Father, you want them to be used for good. You want us to speak hope and to speak life and to speak truth. And we want, Father, to use our words to glorify you. So give us the strength and the ability to understand, to know, and to hear, and to do. Challenge us in our walk to be more Christ-like every moment of every day. And, Father, we're going to praise your name for everything that you do. We love you and we serve you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is always open. It's an opportunity for you to pray. It's an opportunity for you to speak to me. But more importantly, it's your chance to respond to the truth of God's word in your heart. So you come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.